What's going on, you harrowing Halloween hippopotamuses? Welcome to episode 10 of Total Pod Mode. That's right, we've made it to double digits, guys. Yeah, man, double digits. Can't be a double digit. Sometimes single digits, they get a bit boring, you know, get a bit stale. Sometimes just slipping an extra digit in there makes all the difference. That's nasty. Clearly still friends at this point. Damn straight. I know, we've been through some rough times, man. Some rough times. We've come through them together, come out the other side. Yeah, well, particularly these last few weeks, it's been fairly harrowing, man. These Halloween episodes, we've been through a lot, man. We've been through a lot during this month, the, the month of October. As I mentioned, we are Total Pod Mode, episode 10. We made it. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and of course, I'm always joined by the wonderful Will, also known as Huda Funk. Back again, you can't get rid of me, baby. I'll be here forever until you don't show up, and then I'll probably just not carry on. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, it's going to be a bit weird on my own, but I mean, until you go, I'll probably, I'll probably stick around. I mean, I like the idea that there's one episode you're just sitting here recording and it's just like, he'll be here, he'll be here <laughs> It's soon. where I like, haven't quite accepted that you're not coming to the podcast anymore. <laughs> I'm yeah, just exactly, like, yeah. he'll turn up, he will, I'll just, I guess we're into the news, we'll run the news, but yeah. he'll come through, he'll get the last up. <laughs> what do you think, James? What do you think? <laughs> oh, that's really insightful, man. That's really insightful. <laughs> just like crying to yourself. Oh, dear me. So, man, how are things? Have you recovered from your little incident last week? Yeah, man. All good. Managed to get that bad boy reattached, and the smell has subsided somewhat, too. Excellent news for everyone. What did the surgeon make of it all? I mean, it was a pretty epic wound. Surgeon? <laughs> Come on, man. I reattached that shit myself. Oh, good God. Well, I say myself. I did have some help from a very kind gentleman I met down the pub. Oh, I'm sure this will go well. Relax, man. He did assure me he knew what he was doing. He had all the tools ready to go, for emergencies or whatever. He was very experienced in these matters. I think. It wasn't even that hard to reattach it. Holy fuck, man. What were you thinking? I mean, now that you say it, can't help but notice that your nail is on the wrong side of your thumb. What? Is it? Oh, oh, sh oh uh, hang on a sec. There we go. Oh, God! Oh, sh it's bleeding again. And the fucking smells back, too. Great. Don't worry. Uh, it doesn't hurt that much. It does seem to have a life of its own, though, sometimes. What do you mean, a life of its own sometimes? Well, sometimes it moves when I don't want it to, or I feel it pulling. Sometimes it feels like it's even trying to come back off. That sounds weird as fuck, man. Are, are you sure you're okay? I mean, that fall and knock on your head last week didn't do something to your brain, did it? No, man. I think I'm all good. I didn't hit my head that hard. I don't know, man. What you've just described to me there, that, that sounds pretty strange. <laughs> well, you want to hear strange? Here we go. Sometimes, I can feel like I can hear it speaking to me. The fuck do you mean speaking to you? It doesn't even have a mouth! I know, but listen. I hold it up to the mic. Lying. That's some voodoo sh right there. No, man. I told you. This is a real messed up situation right now. It's kind of an issue. Oh, well, shit, man. I mean, I do feel bad for you, obviously, but, uh, you know, got a podcast to make. It's getting late. Got shit to do tomorrow. Wow. You don't sound particularly concerned for me, man. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's obviously very concerning. I mean, it's just, you know, got a lot on. Work's pretty busy and, 
you know. My hand is potentially fucking possessed, man. And you're talking about work next week. Yeah, we'll get it sorted before next week. It'll be fine. We'll find a shaman or something to help us out. You know, we need to get it sorted. I really don't want this issue bleeding into next week, so. What the fuck? What do you... How is the... This is real... I can't believe this shit. This mother... You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple <sighs> Podcasts, pretty, pretty much anywhere I should get your podcasts from, really, because uh, we live everywhere. Just search Total Pod Mode and you're sure to find us. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast itself on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Mr. Bames on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And with that... Tape your thumb back up. We don't want any of that nonsense into I'll get right on it. I'm sorry. Sorry for the smell. Sorry. (laughs) And now we move to the catch-up. So, Will, why don't you kick us off? What have you been playing this week, man? So, this week, uh, following a little bit of our discussion last week about the game Scorn, I figured it's really time for me to give this one a try. I figured it was Halloween, October. We're trying to get in there, trying to feel the spooky vibes. So, I went headfirst and picked up Scorn this week. And what do you think, man? How is it? Really good so far. So this is kind of a pretty new type of experience for me. Given that you're such a big horror connoisseur, I'm surprised to hear that off the bat, I've got to say. See, this is the thing, is I do enjoy my horror games. However, this is a game that is also a puzzle game, um, which which I will find enjoyable. What I will say is my stupid baby brain cannot understand tile sliding puzzles. My brain just goes into an absolute meltdown whenever I'm provided with some sort of scenario where I have to slide blocks along to make one block get from point A to point B. And I am going to just prefix this whole section with saying, just because Scorn is such a new game, spoilers abound for, <laughs> <laughs> for like the first hour or two of the game. So just, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of minutes perhaps, or just sit through it, you know, just, just turn the volume down, kind of hum a little bit while we talk about this, yeah? Just fucking deal with it. He's going to talk about Scorn, right? <laughs> I'm going to deal with it, okay? I'm going to deal yeah. with it. You're going to deal with it. No, I'm not going to deal with it. You're going to deal with it. <laughs> I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. We're all going to deal with it. We're all going to deal with it together, which is honestly probably the best thing that we can expect from Scorn. I think this is kind of like a group coping project because this game is disturbing as fuck. Okay, tell me more. So you start off as a humanoid type of person, but it's clear that you are in fact not a human. And it kind of feeds into some of the body horror themes that we were talking about last week, where you are supposed to feel immersed in this body so that when they do come to those bits, you're going to feel it a bit more than being some sort of disembodied camera that's suspended and doesn't really show you that sort of stuff. That's good. That's promising signs so far. But as I say, they do hit you really hard early on with the tile sliding puzzle. The first bit of which wasn't too hard. The second bit of which, I started recording a session of it, and I think I spent about an hour on it before I just had to pack it in for the night. Uh, But I did, with the help of my good friend Jem, come back to it the next day, and we attempted to re-crack it. We did finally crack it thank god after about another hour of trying i had to completely rethink my previous approaches honestly i'm making such a meal out of this puzzle i think the majority of people it'd probably take them 15 to 20 minutes and and you know that's that's being generous i reckon a lot of people probably did this a lot sooner so after a little bit of help 
I managed to finally get through. And and there was another fucking puzzle straight away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine if this game was just like entirely tile sliding games? I just completely missed that part of it. Yeah, you basically just bought Gridlock. It's yeah. just, that's all it is, Gridlock Sim. <laughs> gridlock with kind of like a horror overtone to it yeah exactly i've got to say that you know we 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 again spoke last week about how this thing is very much hr geiger inspired it's very much uh alien inspired it has a lot of vaguely familiar from the alien series and from prometheus but for the most part kind of a quite a unique art style a lot of the shit looks like genitalia of various sorts um there's a lot of dicks there's a lot of buttholes um Mostly dicks and buttholes, actually, I'll say. That's that's kind of the, the primary genitalia of, of choice. I've seen spinning, glowing dicks come out of walls. There is a, a wall of anuses with testicles that are resting on them that you need to transfer across the anuses to get the viable testicle to the grabby hook. So you're talking about the puzzle still? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't moved on to the puzzle. Yeah, the, the puzzle was the testicle anus wall. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, got it, yeah. So anyway, once we once we finally figured out the secret to the testicle anus wall, a... Official vi- name. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. that's what the chapter's called. Yeah, the T-A-W. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> so once a viable testicle is delivered to you via a conveyor belt, it sort of lowers it down to the next floor. Something's not quite right about it. And you start to notice that as the grabby arm grabs it, because once it picks it up off of the butthole and spins it round, you can see there is some sort of horrifying mutated being inside it, vaguely resembling a humanoid that has been kind of mutilated and shoved in a very tight space. And this thing is sentient, it's cognizant of its surroundings, and it is absolutely horrifying to look at nice you then need to transfer it around this kind of facility you need to do a puzzle where it involves changing a train track to kind of make it go to the right route Uh, and once it arrives at its location you then do a procedure on it there's two keypads that you need to operate there's only one of you so somehow you need to get another person or method of operating that other keypad the first attempt that I did this with my friends, we rescued the guy off the conveyor belt, we put him into the pram, I pushed him around until he was delivered to a device which essentially kind of scooped him out of the egg in the most violent way possible, crushed him and killed him. And then I just kind of like yanked its arm off and then just used its arm to operate the keypad. However, The next day I played it, I got curious and I noticed that there were other paths off the train track, so I had to figure out where they went and what they did. I skipped the first path that took it down to the scooper, and I put it on another path which takes it to a circular saw, which actually cuts the thing out of its shell instead. And then you kind of teach this thing how to walk on the spot, this disgusting mutilated thing. You get a sense that it's much more humanoid, because once it's out of its shell it is able to stand up, kind of. And it slowly follows you back to the panel and then you get it to assist you to open the panel. So that's the humane route then? I mean, essentially the end result is the same thing because once you've used it to open the door, its hand remains locked in the keypad and you don't help it. And I couldn't figure out a way to help it. So essentially, rather than being kind of mauled to death, you just essentially leave it to, I guess, die (laughs) with his arm stuck in a keypad. So I don't know whether it's a necessarily better ending for it. But it seemed like the more humane route at the t- 
time. And I wonder how much that plays into any sort of potential alternate ending or whether that was just genuinely a cool alternate way to do the puzzle. It's the final boss, mate. Imagine I come back and he's all pissed off this time around. It's a different yeah, just dude. Just one arm. Just like... <laughs> you fucking left me, you bastard. <laughs> Or it's like the dog in Resi 4, he'll come help you later on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I actually, I, I thought that it was pretty cool that there were alternate resolutions and alternate ways that you could complete that puzzle. I just hope that they kind of keep that approach going on in the game. Sounds like they will do, man. I mean, you don't just drop that in in the first puzzle of the game and then not continue it, right? You would certainly hope not. And one thing to really praise this game for is the level design seems extremely, extremely curated. You definitely, at no point, get the sense that they're just like, oh, slap that there, just put that there, reuse the asset from there. And we did touch a little bit on the fact that it looked quite samey last week. Yeah. But what I will say is, is that their variation of different hellscapes is pretty impressive. <laughs> Actually, yeah. yeah, there are there are quite a few different styles of hellscape. They all have a very similar tone, I would say, quite a similar feel. Uh, I mean, I just remember there being a lot of shades of grey in the trailer that we saw. There is some more shades than just grey and brown. <laughs> It doesn't look like they've just reused exactly the same environment over and over again, although I have already encountered just that so far yeah. as well, where you are, where you have actually gone back to either an environment that's the same kind of place in a different location or potentially the same place at a different time. That, I don't know yet. Fairly standard, unfortunately. I say unfortunately. This happens with Steel Rising and it's also prevalent in Dragon Age 2 doesn't affect my enjoyment of the game though if it's a good game it's a good game doesn't matter right i don't really get what's going on in this game there's absolutely no dialogue whatsoever my character has said nothing no one has said anything to me i haven't even seen a proper button prompt come up on the screen or anything sounds pretty cool that yeah it's, it's great i i really love the fact that i'm not constantly looking at something and seeing a fucking flashing x button hovering over it telling me to mash x to do something it's it's refreshing you know particularly in a horror game it ups the tension a bit more yeah absolutely it does and, and the only thing i've managed to surmise so far is it seems to be that they're manufacturing some sort of forms of life and it does kind of invoke images of the prometheans from the ridley scott series you know it does make you think that there's some sort of higher alien race that are breeding or seeding other worlds by creating these different races some look like you some look slightly different they're all kind of humanoid in nature but there are variations to the uh the corpses and kind of failed projects that you see along the way look forward to hearing more about it man as you continue to progress it'll be interesting to see if baby matey from the start comes back as a boss, it'd be interesting to see if <laughs> I would love you that. actually get to talk to anyone. I mean, from the trailer, I didn't actually see a character with a mouth, but like the one, the one sort of thing you see is like that head comes sort of forward and it looks at you, even though it doesn't have any eyes either, from what I remember. And it doesn't really have a mouth; it just sort of stares blankly at you, which is way more freaky. So it sounds like it'd be thematically appropriate for this game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that it's probably going to remain an absolute silent protagonist. And, you know, I think actually following on some of the early information we heard about it, it does sound like there's just going to be no dialogue throughout either. Well, well no, as I say, I look forward to hearing more about it as you progress with it. Have you been playing anything else this week, man? Uh, so I've actually been a little busy this week. I've had the in-laws over. Uh, I jumped on the PC last night after sending them back home. <laughs> But I had a look on Steam, and as I was browsing through, I noticed that suddenly Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 had become available to install. 
I got a little bit of hands-on experience with that, and uh, I actually managed to stream a little bit as well. Although, as we'll discuss shortly, uh, that perhaps wasn't the best idea. Well, let's get into that, but how, how was the game? First impressions, what do you think? I mean, my understanding is you just got access to the campaign mode early, so there's no multiplayer still it's literally just the campaign well um just before we managed to get to the campaign we did have to deal with the sign-in issues uh so there was a lot that i had to jump through a lot of hoops that i needed yeah. to jump through to get access to the game unfortunately not a surprise at all <laughs> no i mean especially given that it's uh is activision blizzard who are you know also responsible for the overwatch game which has very similar procedures in place in terms of anti-cheat measures and oh they didn't do the whole phone shit, did they that you were talking about the other week 100% man yeah and this is for the single player campaign as well so it really so you can't even abuse people anyway even if you wanted to <laughs> even if you wanted to you can't abuse people so essentially it was just a case that i needed to log in with my activision account then I needed to confirm my two-step authorization with my mobile phone. But I needed to then jump through a load of agreement hoops and things like that. Honestly, because of the fact that I wasn't entirely sure of my Activision account and things like that, I may have started the stream a little prematurely. <laughs> I guess the long story short is it was a real hassle to just be yeah. able to access the game to begin with. Sounds like it. Which was a bit disappointing. Uh, you know, I, I was I was pumped to get into it. I think I realised that it was released around 10 o'clock. I had it kind of installed by about 11 o'clock. Didn't really start playing until just before midnight. <laughs> <laughs> just because uh, of all the yeah. issues and things. Still, your viewers got a good show, though, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. They got, they got to just... see you on a bunch of agreement screens. They got to see you going, fuck sake, this fucking agreement. Why do these cunts want my number? That was, I mean, yeah. That's, were you watching the stream last night or something? Because that's basically what it was. <laughs> I'm always watching. That said, you start off playing a mission where you're kind of just guiding a, a missile, essentially, that you then use to take out a big leader some sort of terrorist leader i believe i wasn't quite sure as i say it was it was really getting on by that point my brain was basically mush i mean i was kind of just bumbling my way through <laughs> by this point you were only playing because you'd waited that long to play it you probably couldn't be asked at that point yeah yeah i think that probably showed on the stream a little bit i've got to say there's a few new things in this one that i don't recall being in previous call of duty tiles you'll have to forgive me if i'm wrong here but the last one i properly played was the previous modern warfare title but in this one you can both slide as well as do the kind of dolphin dive thing that they introduced in the black ops titles so if you run and hold the crouch button as you're running, then you will go into a dive. So you'll just kind of like leap forward, legs behind you, arms out in front and kind of land on the ground. Really? I thought that was the slide control. It was. See, this is what they've changed, I believe. And there are multiple ways in the settings that you can edit this. But then otherwise, I think the default setting is you tap it to slide, you hold it to dolphin dive. I would have thought it should be the other way around because you hold a slide because it holds longer, right? I mean, maybe I'm Whereas mess you tap it. No, I mean, you're probably yeah. right. I just, my mind would do it the other way around, I think. I might have messed around with the settings and accidentally changed it, but I'm pretty sure that's what the default controls are. But anyway, that's that's something that's new. I mean, you're really yeah. kind of grasping at straws when it's a Call of Duty campaign in terms of, like, new things out there. But I guess there is a couple of things I wanted to talk about, that being one of them. The other thing being that this game seemed to me to introduce enemies that kind of actually have body armor. And by that I mean actually Warzone style body armor. So you will shoot an enemy 
and their armor will crack and provide a very similar effect to how it does in Warzone, and then you can kill them. So unlike the kind of previous shooting gallery Call of Duties where most of the AI enemies took maybe one to two bullets to go down, these guys are actually seeming to be a bit more spongy. I definitely wouldn't criticize and say they're overly spongy, but it's definitely changing up the dynamic of how I'm playing the game because I'm very much used to just being able to essentially kind of hip fire your way through the game unless they're particularly far away just because all you need is that one bullet to hit. Whereas this is, I'm finding that more challenging. And actually, I'm ashamed to say, I played this game on normal last night. I died a lot. A lot of that was down to me just fucking around. And kind of, you know, one of those classic criticisms with the Call of Duty games that I always have is that they don't really allow you enough freedom in the missions to do what you want. They're kind of very scripted. When you say that, are we talking, you're sort of, you are now leaving the mission area. You have five seconds to turn around. Or is it literally just, nope, you didn't do this over a little bit of both i think there were some parts where you were supposed to sneak and i instead decided to go loud and the game clearly is optional. didn't want you to do that at that particular Standard. point so you know that was kind of a, a game over i got to say there was a certain mission that falls in afterwards and it kind of comes into the thing you were saying before kind of like leaving mission area the next mission that you are based in is in amsterdam and you start off literally coming out of a uh, red light alleyway i thought you were going to say coffee shop then that'd be much more interesting <laughs> kind of you just come out you're fucking hazy like, yeah yeah <laughs> No, you're kind of walking out of an alleyway, and as any warm-blooded male did, I, I had to just just do a quick 180 and just see what was going on down that alleyway. There was, yeah. It was empty. It was empty, of course. No titties. No titties. Bruh. No nothing. It was just Damn. it was empty. That's not realistic. Clearly weren't on site. If they were on site, they would know there was titties in Amsterdam. I did try and progress a little further down the alleyway, but then rightfully I was told that I need to be getting on with the mission and... Uh, actually that was in fact out of bounds so there was a limit to how far you can peruse through the red light and there wasn't like a press f for the whores or whatever press f to pay prostitute money no yeah press f to to participate in prostitution no there was no None uh, of that, no. <laughs> um, the only other thing that I really wanted to say about the Call of Duty title was I did enjoy the segments in Amsterdam because there is a particular mission where you're sort of doing a mixture of scuba diving through the canals as well as jumping up on land and shooting. Uh, that did actually involve some pretty cool stuff where you were jumping out and up of docks, you were shooting people and then jumping back into the water. You could play it very sneakily, you could play it fairly loud. You know, that seems uh, really rewarding, really quite fun, actually. So that was pretty much all I wanted to cover for my catch-up, man. Just uh, a little peek into Scorn and then, uh, well, another little peek into Call of Duty. Have you uh, been up to anything this week other than your gaming challenge? Well, you can take this how you will. I've played a whole bunch of games this week. Oh, okay. Excellent, excellent. Well, no, it either means that I fucking nailed the challenge or I had a complete meltdown. We'll get into all of that later, don't you worry, my friend. So no, I have had another one of those flitty weeks. I've I've played a lot more of uh, PGA Tour 2K23, so I can answer some of your queries from last week and Mm. you will be disappointed, I'm afraid to say. Uh, Yeah, well, I I did suspect that. On last week's episode, I speculated that you might be able to hit people in the crowd now um, and it might have something different. I can confirm it is the same as the previous titles. You can hit the ball into the crowd. It will just go through them as if they're not there. Okay, disappointing. So disappointing, but but not un- not unexpected to be honest no, with you. It's a golf game, not a nail someone in the throat with a golf ball game. Exactly. I'm sure there's one out there, and if there's not, 
sort it out. Yeah, if, if not, we should get on that, man. Like the Carmageddon equivalent in golf. Yeah, 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 dead golf That's what, that's what you want. In terms of the career mode, I speculated that it might be a little bit more like the basketball titles. And I was about to say, I'm sad to say, I, I'm indifferent to say, really, that it's actually just a similar sort of campaign, <laughs> campaign, career mode as you would have normally. Right, in that right. you create your golfer, you enter a bunch of tournaments, you do have the rivalries still. And interestingly, in this one, once you've beaten your rival, you can then, once you've beaten the whole rival list, I should say, you can then refresh it and start again. So you constantly have rivals as opposed to in the last title where you just did the rivals and then it was done. The, the other thing really to mention is I, I sort of said in last week's episode, did I think any live golfers would make the cut? No live golfers are playable, but there are still some live golfers that come up on the tour list when you see the leaderboards and things like that. So clearly there was a little bit of a disconnect between when 2K designed the roster of golfers that would at least be named. Uh, so that's quite funny. But I guess it shows that the game has been in development for longer than six months. Yeah. Which yeah, is probably think, a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> probably um, the and the final thing to say that will really disappoint you, no golf carts, I'm afraid. No golf carts. That is a shame. I feel like that should probably be kind of a fairly standard feature just for just a fun aspect purely more than anything. Yeah. You should at least be able to drive a golf cart. That's, that's the best part about golf, surely. Ah. It's up there. <laughs> it's, some might argue the swinging the golf clubs is the best part if you really want to be a boring, boring Susan. But for me... Wow, what, what does Susan ever do to you? <laughs> I'm sorry, Susan. Uh, I do apologize. Yeah. Yeah. Susan gets a lot of flack because there's that thing you put on tables called a lazy Susan as well. <laughs> She's a fucking lazy, boring bitch. Lazy, Susan. boring Susan. I'm so sorry. But no, so disappointing that the golf carts aren't in there, but... um. All of those disappointments aside, it's an incredibly good golf sim, as these games typically are. The swing mechanic is a lot more unforgiving than previous ones, um, mm. I'd say, but you get used to it. Mm. Mm. So yeah, that's that was that was good fun. I probably spent the most hours on that, I'd say, during the week. But other than that, I played a game called Quest Hunter because it was on sale for £2.99. Irresistible price. Well, it's a game I'd played before on Xbox. Uh, got it for a similar price on there too. It's a sort of cartoony aesthetic sort of isometric rpg i guess if you like similar ish to torchlight but not really um it's it's in that vein of sort of diablo style loot craft stuff get better weapons numbers go up kill enemies do missions all that good stuff but sure thing yeah but it's kind of more basic and rpg i suppose and i, and I don't say that with disrespect it, it just is what it is what's the sort of aesthetic there is it kind of like your typical fantasy knights in armor and shields and elves and type thing or what's what's going on with that so there are knights in armor and stuff like that but it is it's more like torchlight as i say it's got that fantasy setting but it's in sort of a cartoony sort of world if you like right right but yeah no so it's got quite a cool block system um, unlike the Diablo games, you can actually physically block with your shield with a button as opposed to it just being a stat with a chance to block, kind for example. Kind of a passive almost, yeah. Uh, well, exactly that. It's a passive, yeah. wasn't it? Passive blocking ability. Exactly. So you can't quite parry, but it does give you know some... There's a little bit of nuance to the combat where you have to block at certain points and you can actually level up a stat that means you block more damage and things like that. So it's kind of cool in that regard. You get some good skills, get some good spells... You know, it's, it's good fun. It's a good time. And for £3, it, it just seemed like a no-brainer, really. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, probably halfway through that, maybe a bit more. I feel like I've, I'm in Act 2, and I don't know how many Acts there are, but I get the feeling it might be three and then done. 
yeah, I mean, that's that's probably really all I've got to say on my gaming week, really, until we get to later on. I, I did play a couple of other bits. I put 50 minutes into Skyrim, for example. Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms got a lot of love, as it always does. Because, <laughs> it's you know, a it's clicker. Quick, quick, it's easy to it's play. It's a clicker, so you can do that. Yeah, exactly. You put five minutes here, five minutes there, just to make sure everything keeps ticking over. Hopefully getting something a bit more juicy next week when I'm not challenging. Not on the challenge, yeah. I've got I've got a list of about 14 games that I want to finish that I've started. So <laughs> really need to start doing that instead of buying more fucking games. I was tempted to buy God of War, actually, because uh, shout out to Sai. My mate Sai has just been playing God of War. He's uh, had it for ages, but he was just sitting on his shelf and he just finished it. He's in New Game Plus, trying to get all the 100%. Nice. And he fucking loved it, so... With with Ragnarok coming out in two weeks or so as well, it yeah. just I, I'm thinking about that. But uh, as I say, I've got about 14 games I'd like to play first. I probably shouldn't spend more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm quite jealous of his uh, first playthrough experience of, of the game. It's a time that I absolutely enjoyed myself. And uh, yeah, there's nothing quite like playing that game through for the first time when all of the things are new, all of the little turns that the story takes are all fresh. Yeah, and I've got all that to look forward to, so can't wait for that so nicely put together in terms of storytelling that game so no man so that's all we got for the catch-up this week so how about we slide into the dms of the news so our first news story this week perhaps unsurprisingly to anyone that's uh been keeping their fingers on the pulses of stories of new releases and upcoming releases. If you're even vaguely plugged into Twitter video gaming news. <laughs> Bayonetta 3 is due to come out, but there's been a bit of controversy because the voice actress from the original Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2, who's named Helena Taylor, recently claimed that she had been offered $4,000 all in for her recording services for the third That's game. all you got. And this saw a lot of outpour in response on Twitter. There was a hell of a lot of initial support for this. And rightly so, because if that was the what she's been offered, then that's frankly insulting. Absolutely, yeah. For such a you know a high-profile, well-known video game character to be offering such low amount is is laughable, really. Obviously, that's not a good thing when you see uh, someone being lowballed like that, and obviously it potentially brings up other issues such as you know, equal pay for females. Don't make me mm. beg. However, Jason Schreier, previously of Kotaku fame, now of Bloomberg fame, and widely regarded as one of the most reputable sources out there for gaming leaks, gaming news, and gaming gossip and all that. Absolutely has come out saying that his sources have told him that it's categorically untrue that this is what she was offered, claiming that what she was actually offered was more like $4,000 per session. That's which, right. if you're looking at sort of four or five sessions to complete the game, say, is 16 to 20 grand, which is much more like the market rate and much more like what we wanted to hear here. So this now raises other questions, because if it's any other sort of source saying this you could argue ah is this just someone trying to cover their ass yeah someone biased with an ulterior motive sort of thing yeah you it exactly. could be easily assumed but as you say the source that this is from is well known enough and respected enough that this does make people query the statements that have come out i mean obviously all of which uh helena completely denies Goes yeah. without saying. As she, she would, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know, as you've said there, you know, if it was anyone other than Jason Schreier, you'd probably be thinking this could be some nonsense. But if Jason Schreier is saying that that's not the case, then 
that certainly makes you think. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the actress who has been hired in Helena Taylor's place, Jennifer Hale, I believe her name is. Yeah. Oh, Jennifer Hale is a really famous uh, female voice actress. I know nothing of these things. She was Femme Shep, I guess, is the character that I could tell you straight away. Yeah. But she was a bunch of people in Skyrim. She's, she's huge. I've probably heard her voice. I don't doubt You that, no doubt you've heard her voice. But Jennifer Hale, interestingly, is under NDA, so can't comment on what she was offered. So it's kind of, he said, she said, who do you believe at this stage? I don't really know what to think about this. I don't know anything about Helena Taylor and her reputation before this. I don't know if this is the sort of thing where she might be trying to big time it, thinking that she should be being paid more. Because, I mean, I have seen some reports that saying that, you know, she's just turned down the offer because she wants that sort of six digit number as opposed to a five-digit number for the salary. But who knows, man? What, what do you think? Do you have any thoughts, insight? Do you have any sources? Do you, do you have the inside <laughs> scoop? Any real inside info? No, unfortunately. And unfortunately, Schreier is my, you know, as always, my best and most reliable source. Uh, so, you know, just to touch a little bit on the sixth figure. So specifically part of Schreier's statement was that she was asking for a six-figure fee plus residuals for this deal. And at that point, negotiations fell apart. Which essentially suggests that Helena Taylor is essentially turning her nose up at offers between 15000 and $20,000 for this gig. And I suppose someone perhaps more cynical there would believe that due to the fact that she is so well known as Bayonetta's voice and she does have a very recognisable voice as Bayonetta that there would be questions asked over what happened to her and she perhaps felt in a bit more of a position of power to strong arm a higher fee than perhaps what's the industry standard. Well, I suppose the counterpoint to that would be that with video games grossing more than a lot of movies do these days and having much more massive budgets than a lot of movies do these days, should the voice actor fee be representative of that? Should they be being paid more as a result of the increased budgets and things? Bingo! I, I don't have an opinion necessarily either way. It's not something I've really massively thought about, but it's an interesting counter-argument, I think. I think that that's definitely something that needs to be asked. However, that's not something that comes down to the people who are hoping to get Helena to voice Bayonetta. That comes down to the unions. At the end of the day, you can't blame a company for following industry standards. Just like you can't blame Helena for trying her luck if this was the case, uh, to see if she could get some more money for this. Well, if that's what it turns out to be, I mean, really, the only people that know are Helena Taylor and those that offered her the contract, I suppose. We may never know. But the only thing I will say on it is it wasn't exactly the same thing, but uh, when Borderlands 3 came out, they obviously didn't get the same Claptrap guy to do it because the Gearbox CEO, Randy, whatever his name is, I forget his name off the top of my head. Randy Pitchford. Pitchford, that's the one. He's a bit of a nutcase, isn't he? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of allegations of insults and bullying and things like that. And mm. so that's why that didn't happen. But that game released the claptrap voice. You could tell it was different, but it was still the same, I suppose. And I don't think it really had that much of an impact on the release of that game. I mean, that game, the storyline and the antagonists ruined it rather than different voice of claptrap. So who knows? <laughs> Maybe it won't have that much of an effect on Bayonetta 3. But uh, it's not a series that I'm particularly familiar with, so I, I, don't, I know it's popular, but I don't know whether that will bother hardcore fans, you know? As I say, I mean, I think that that voice is, is recognisable. I think that it's kind of 
it has a hell of a lot of personality to it. Miss me, baby. I think that it's certainly not going to be a popular decision amongst fans, a uh, change of voice actor for Bayonetta. However, I think it would be insulting to Jennifer Hale uh, to assume that the game is going to lose out in any way just because of the fact that they've changed the voice actor. I think that she's going to do a great job. Um, you know, she's an absolute titan in the industry. And I think that expecting anything less of her compared to uh, Helena's performance would, frankly, just be sort of massively discounting the talent that Jennifer has. Yeah, I agree. And uh, obviously it goes without saying that regardless of your opinion on this story, be nice to them. Don't go insulting the Jennifer Hale Twitter page just because she's got the voice over <laughs> Helena Taylor. And likewise, don't go mouthing off to Helena Taylor just because you believe what you believe. Just it is what it is. They'll resolve it. The game comes out. It will still be good. Just one very last little thing to add to this is also that um, I did read some rumours earlier this week that Helena was offered a cameo role in the Bayonetta title. Once again, for the same price, although this time it was just for one session. So one session for 4K, which again, she turned down. This has also since been denied by Helena that she was offered the cameo opportunity as well. Well, and even if she was offered it, frankly, that's insulting, I would have thought. I think that all of that does go some way to show that Platinum working to have Helena involved in the project, and this wasn't some sort of attempt by them to lowball her in order to get her to leave the project, which I think there was some speculation about that earlier. Just at the time, shortly after Helena had claimed that she was only offered four thousand dollars unless they did lowball her and that was just a compensation offer afterwards to try and save face but who (laughs) knows like i say we'll never know but in the same sort of vein our second news story is again about outrage i suppose because that's what you'd call it so far gotham knights fans are apparently cancelling their pre-orders of the game because it was announced this week that the console version of the games so playstation 5 and xbox series x and s are going to be locked to 30 fps and there's going to be no option wow. to reduce resolution or graphical fidelity to increase frame rate. The general sort of argument on this appears to be it's 2022, we're getting a brand new game for new hardware. I, as far as I'm aware, it's not releasing on previous gen. It's strictly a next gen game. So why the fuck has it been locked in 30 FPS? I mean, that's a fair question, I think. That That's actually one point that I wanted to make. So I believe that this was previously announced for previous gen as well as current gen, which very quickly got canned. And given this news, uh... it's unsurprising. Right. That would explain a bit. I, I would hope that it's an absolutely solid 30. You would have to assume they were trying to get this at 60, and they couldn't, so they capped it at 30, right? I mean, this, this has to be a solid 30. I mean, it's appalling if it's not, but allegedly, the reason that it's been locked at 30 is because of the Xbox Series S. Oh, right. This article is sponsored by Jim Ryan. Oh, yeah, the bitch! But no, so, that, you know, allegedly this, uh, this is down to the fact that um, the Xbox Series S can't hack 60 fps basically with one twitter article or article online there so i can't remember where stating that a game developer has referred to the xbox series s as a potato <laughs> so that's interesting again this is how biased is that person you know well i mean it was jim ryan right so probably <laughs> it's probably probably sponsored by biased. jim ryan written exactly. by jim ryan <laughs> it's not even activision get over yourself 
But no, it's an interesting one, this, because on the one hand, if it runs at an absolutely stable 30, you're still going to have a good time, right? It's, it's not going to massively impact your experience. However, I do see the argument that next gen should have more enough power to be able to run 60 natively, or at least have the option to decrease the graphics to have a higher and more stable frame rate. I think that's the bigger thing here. I think that honestly, that's the, the larger issue it, the fact that it's capped at 30 and there's absolutely no option to reduce resolution. I mean, I do understand that there still isn't quite parity between current console gaming and PC gaming in terms of the options that you're allowed to do. Not even close, right? No, not re- no. Yeah. But there have been steps towards that with options, such as being able to focus on quality over performance. They're essentially just framed in different ways, and console games over the years have been provided those options. For this not to have it is a little surprising. I think, as you say, 30 FPS, for the most part, is absolutely playable for a lot of people. I think that, you know... Uh, some of the FPS snobs on PC are the ones that are going to freak out over this. They wouldn't necessarily notice the difference between 30 and 60. I think that they'll be jumping on the bandwagon just because it seems to be the popular thing to do at the moment. Yeah, just people being outraged, basically. Yes, exactly, yeah. And perhaps with fair reason. I mean, if I drop 500-odd pounds on PS5, I'm expecting to have at least the option, right? Even if I end up playing it in 30 FPS, I still expect to have the option. Yeah, it does seem like 60 FPS should be, or seems to be, the kind of the current baseline that a lot of people and consoles and games strive for. That said, I do see that actually just how much the frame rate affects the enjoyment of the game, that can be quite unique to different games. There's certain games that run on 30 and look great. There's other games that just do not look good whatsoever. I think Dishonored is a pretty good example of that. I think Dishonored 1 running at 30 FPS looks really choppy compared to some of the later titles. Uh, I, I played Dishonored on Xbox One. I don't recall there ever being issues, and that would have been 30 at most. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> to tie a bow on this, some of the, some of the people that have reported that they're going to cancel their pre-orders as a result of this are saying things such as, I was super excited for the game until now. Why would you cancel the game on last-gen consoles if you can't even have it run at 60 FPS for current-gen? Might as well have kept it on the last-gen. Kind of echoes what you said at the start and is a completely fair point. That sounds like someone that's a little confused. Why would you cancel it on last-gen if you can't even get it to run? Well, it's like, well, yeah, dude, because we couldn't get it to run stable on the last-gen, so that's why we have to run it a 30 on this gen you moron <laughs> yeah and then someone else has said uh can't decide if i'm more disappointed by the fact it is only 30 or or that they were clearly trying to keep that a secret until reviews drop which is fair should they have said this before pre-order became available should it have been part of the spec sheet yeah i i kind of feel like there was no way they didn't know this was going to be a storm when that news dropped yeah makes me think that they were trying to repair it to the last possible moment and then realized they couldn't or uh, you know as the comment suggests just sort of suppressing it until the last possible moment to get those sweet sweet pre-orders baby but no so interesting to see how that develops i think obviously with in today's day and age there's always room for a 60 fps patch or something further down the line but if it's a hardware issue short of rebuilding the game from the ground up i don't think that's going to be resolved anytime soon unfortunately Mm, mm. now then our third news story today i know is one that particularly excites you oh this was a good one james i gotta say this is a good one we got a teaser trailer for the new silent hill game now this is something we've previously discussed on another episode and also ties quite nicely into the halloween theme given the, the content of silent hill so 
I'm going to let you take the lead on this, Will, because I know that you're much more passionate about the Silent Hill franchise than I am, plus probably have more relevant insight from watching the trailer. But I'll just quickly state that essentially what they've done is they've recreated several scenes from the original game, but in higher resolution and apparently with floppier hair. <laughs> oh, i, I got to say, that wasn't one of my main takeaways from the trailer, but uh, yeah, I'll give it a rewatch, I guess. I need to check out James's floppy hair. <laughs> we saw the main character, James, uh, looking at himself in a public restroom mirror. I don't know if that's in the original game or what, but, Will, I'm going to let you tag in here because you've got definitely know more about this, so what are you thinking? Yeah, so right off the bat, I think that I've got very, very high hopes for this, I've got to say, because nice. I think that... The things that I'm noticing that are different seem to be positive changes. And the things that look the same but improved look like they've done a great job on that. Well, I'll just, I'll just quickly jump in here. Is this is it a remake a la Resident Evil 2 or is it a remaster a la Last of Us Part 1 that's just been done? I can only assume that this is a remake. I believe that there is things like additional side missions uh, as well as extra content to the town and things like that. From what I've read so far, that's my understanding. So this is not a like-for-like with model swap, animation improvements, sound improvements. This is kind of like an expanded version of the first game with a lot of additional content, uh, improved graphics, obviously, uh, improved sound work and things like that. Excellent. The trailer starts off. Uh, where James has recently just arrived outside Silent Hill. He is parked up and he is staring himself in the mirror in the bathroom. With floppy hair? With with his floppy hair, yeah. Has he got like Leon Kennedy-esque hair? Or what's this mother look like? He's not meant to look cool. James Sunderland is not a cool dude. He is an average Joe. But what they have done in this is the original James Sunderland is fairly generic looking, I would say. However, this time, I would say that the look of James fits his character much more. He looks depressed. He looks desperate. And most of all, he looks, you know, like he's missing someone, I think, in this in this trailer. I'm not sure of the name of the model that they've used for James, but I find that this is going to be a much more believable version of him, and perhaps we're going to see a kind of less abstract version of the James that we saw in Silent Hill, where it felt like a lot of the voice actors weren't given any sort of context as to what was actually going on. And I think that, again, that was in sort of intentional design choice just to make the game feel more ethereal and detached from reality. From the trailer, it sounds like they haven't quite taken that same approach with this. Um, the game then sort of progresses and it shows you a few of the enemies in the game. Uh, fans of the previous title will be more than familiar with scenes in the game. There is a scene in the trailer where James is hiding in a closet and he sees Pyramid Head kind of pinning two of the monsters in the game up against a cabinet. And that's quite an iconic scene in Silent Hill 2, which they were clearly trying to sort of bring back. So for people that aren't aware, it looks like the monsters are all based upon deep-seated feelings and emotions that all of the characters have. So Pyramid Head has a kind of a weird sexual overtone, undertone, whatever you want to call it, to him just because of factors in James's life. I don't really want to go into too much detail just for anyone that's really trying to stay blind on this and looking forward to it. As I say, we've seen a lot of scenes from the game. They all look very familiar. They all look very promising. The design of the town, the look of him traversing through against the fog, it all looks fantastic. And I hope that the trailer is truly representative of the product that we're actually going to get. Looking at some of the PC spec requirements for this, or rather the recommended PC specs for this, you've got to have yourself a nice little 2080. 
if you uh, want to get this game looking its best, apparently. A 2080, you say. <laughs> As I twiddle my moustache. You twiddle your moustache and stroke your 30 series. <laughs> mm, yes. So, you know, that uh, is potentially going to be an issue for people that demand that they don't have their games on low settings uh, with slightly older graphics cards. Uh, you know, I'm sure that you will have no issues running this game. I don't think I'm going to have any issues running this game if I play it on medium to low settings. However, the recommended settings do suggest that this game is going to be quite a looker. It's going to be quite resource intensive. Remains to be seen, but I'm looking forward to seeing more about this game. Well, allegedly it's in the Unreal 5 engine, which means it is going to look very good. Yes, I honestly, I just can't wait. There's just so many scenes and characters and moments in the game that I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do it, how they recreate it. And I really hope they try and stay as faithful to the original games whilst also reworking some of the other features which I've heard they're doing, like the melee combat. You do see a very, very brief snip of James walking out of a doorway and knocking a nurse on the head with a bat, I think. And the melee combat in Silent Hill games was always something that was slightly off. Uh, it never looked particularly good, and repetitive sound effects and things like that kind of meant that actually the combat in the game, out of all of the things, absolutely aged the worst. Well, as I say, Unreal Engine 5, I can totally believe there's going to be some smooth melee combat in that bad boy. I hope so. I do too, because I think that it'll be really upsetting for you if it's not. <laughs> so I really hope for you that it's really good. I mean, God, after the disappointment of the more recent modern Silent Hill titles. No, I remember when we spoke about it before, actually, and we were talking about, you know, the, the leaks of what potentially was coming from Blue, but you did mention that the HD remake is an utter piece of shit. So, you know, hopefully this isn't, as I say, I, I really want it to be good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want it to be good for me too, man. I was really, really pleased as well on the trailer that after the words Silent Hill appeared on screen, that the extra subtitle Part 1 didn't appear. I did see some early Twitter gossip to suggest that they were going to stretch this thing out into multiple parts. Well, like Final Fantasy VII Remake style. Exactly, and, and honestly, that's just left such a bad taste in my mouth. I was really, really relieved to not see part one appear underneath silent hill because these games don't need part ones they were a great length when they were released slightly expanded versions with better graphics is all it yeah. needs as well as you know as we mentioned improved combat and then you're good to go really so i would i would hate to see this thing dragged out across multiple titles i agree if it's not needed don't fucking do it i mean you know i don't think it's beyond someone to make that sort of approach work However, I think that for the most part, I view that as a sort of a cash grab, you know, just, just trying to stretch things out as much as possible and play off the nostalgia or something. So if anything, it's actually delayed me from buying the Final Fantasy remake titles because I'll tell you what, I'm not going to do it until they fucking release a collector's complete edition and then I can get that because I'm not going to play a PlayStation 1 game across four parts on a modern day console. No, I completely agree with you, man. And the first game only encompasses like the first town area, which I think is a quarter of the game. Yeah, well, so the original Final Fantasy was across four discs, and yeah. the first game covers the first disc, so yeah, more or less, yeah. quarter of the game, yeah. And it's like, come on now. It's not even half the f***ing game. No, and it's like, you're really selling me that for full price, and then you're going to do another three or four episodes? Like, come now. Not even trying to hide the fact they're uh, squeezing this thing out for all it's worth anymore. No, exactly. You know, I got that I got that game on PlayStation Plus when I 
was a member of PlayStation Plus. Never played it. For that very reason, I was, I was not interested in supporting that sort of thing. Damn, they couldn't even get you to play it when it was free. That's saying something. No, I mean, well, that's the thing, man. I mean, if I had nostalgia for Final Fantasy VII, because I've only tried to play it sort of in the last five years, and there's too many quality of life issues that stop me from enjoying myself, unfortunately. But if I had nostalgia for it, I might be there for it. But with no nostalgia, I'm not interested in supporting such an obvious cash grab like that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, funny that you bring up the PC specs of Silent Hill 2 there, because... The final news story I wanted to touch on briefly is that Resident Evil 4, which is being remade and released on PC, has had its minimum stats updated recently. Um, According to Steam, you're looking at fairly standard fare, minimum of an AMD Ryzen 3 1200 or Intel Core i5-7500 processor, 8GB of memory and a graphics card with 4GB of VRAM, with the minimum spec being Radeon RX 560 or NVIDIA GTX 1050 Ti. So... Good news there for us. There we go. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> it's not going to cost me an arm and a leg to get a new graphics card just so I can play it on day one. No. And I mean, looking at those stats, I mean, you're probably looking for medium to high settings. Probably not a great yeah. deal higher than that. You you should be absolutely fine. Uh, I would like to think I would be too. But interestingly, to tie it into the Silent Hill 2 remake stuff, the article I've got here from Game Rant states that Obviously, the Resident Evil 4 remake isn't looking like it's going to be too demanding. Mm. And that is apparently in contrast to the Silent Hill 2 remake, which will require more of PCs and potentially recommends users having Windows 11 rather than Windows 10. Now, this is this is obviously potentially a point of contention because Windows 10 is better than Windows 11 in a lot of people's minds. Seems to minds. be the general consensus, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I certainly have no intention of upgrading my PC to Windows 11 unless I absolutely have to, so... Be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that obviously there aren't any specific requirements for the Resident Evil 4 remake. I imagine that it's using the RE engine, something that they've been using for a while now for most of the mainline Resident Evil titles. Absolutely, yeah. However, Silent Hill, you know, I, I don't know how well this would be optimised. These are things that remain to be seen. And uh, yeah, the fact that it's recommending Windows 11 operating system definitely raises a few questions there in terms of just how stable will this thing be and if we choose not to upgrade to windows 11 what does that mean for us watch this space i guess the one thing i will say just to tie a bow on the story is that the screenshot of salazar i'm looking at right now looks fucking awesome <laughs> i'm for one cannot wait for this and uh yeah looking forward to playing it and uh kicking some ass again hopefully Rocket launchers, baby! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'd be really interested to see just how much of a tonal shift and how much of that sort of stuff carries over. If the f***ing robot's not in it, which I think you said it's not going to be the robot Salazar, that would be a shame. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what they do. It'd be very, very interesting indeed. But with that, that brings us to the end of the news this week. Done with the news. Couple of spooky stories in there, so (laughs) carrying on that spooky theme, it's now time to move on to the... A game's challenge! So as the listeners will know, last week I challenged James to play Condemned Criminal Origins. Uh, So this is a title that is something that I picked up from a bargain bin many years ago uh, for the Xbox 360 and had quite a blast playing. And then I since went on to buy the sequel. I thought that this was a good title for James because it's appropriate for the time of the year. We're keeping up with a Halloween spooky spirit. This is a game that kind of features slight paranormal elements as well as a very cool storyline. 
And due to my very positive take on this game, I figured I wanted to share this experience with James. So without further ado, James, why don't you tell us how you got on? Well, the first thing I want to say to you is that I really wanted to come in here and act all depressed and insinuate that I hadn't had a good time playing this because it would have been thematically appropriate given the last two challenges I've had. But I've got to say, I can't do that, man. This game was f***ing awesome. Oh, okay. F***ing awesome. Honestly, I'm very relieved to hear you say that because there was a tiny part of me that was concerned that your opinion of the game was going to be sort of taken away from by sort of things that had aged poorly in the game. Well, man, I've got to say that really the only thing that you could argue has aged poorly is the graphics. And really... I actually found the graphics quite charming. They added to the horror elements of it. I mean, <laughs> Those no, facial animations are so horrific that, boy, I couldn't tell who was the matchmaker <laughs> killer and who was my buddy. <laughs> I know the cutscenes were pretty grim in that regard, but I think it's fair to say a lot of the textures are quite grainy. They're yeah. sort of... Yeah. You know, it's it's been up-resed, sure, in the, in the PC, but the graininess adds to the whole feel of it. I mean, we've, we mentioned on the last episode that... You know, I, I forget which game exactly it was, but you've got games that use darkness really well. This game does that so brilliantly. You have a flashlight that you can toggle, and I had mine on pretty much all the time. But <laughs> it's a very you, dark game. You, <laughs> it's a very dark game. But when you do turn it off, like it really adds an extra sense of dread and things. Mm -hmm. The soundscape throughout the whole game was excellent. I, I found the fact that you could actually see enemies running around, like in different areas of the building you're in that you can't actually access yet, I found really creepy and cool. Yeah, adds to the sense that you don't know where they could be coming from next, and they do that very well. Exactly, and particularly with the fairly decent variety of enemies as well. Mm, I mean, mm. you know, the only game I can really draw comparison to is Resident Evil 4, because I've not played too many survival horror games. And what I found with Resi 4 was that whilst the character models did change a little bit, you've essentially got the same enemy that you're fighting quite a lot. Mm, which is person mm. walking slowly towards you with weapon <laughs> occasionally sprints a little bit quicker but like innocent village person farmer minding his own just business get off my lady tending to crops <laughs> whereas in this game you have your sort of standard mobs you have bigger mobs who have more health and hit harder you've got I think they're called crawlers, which sort of crawl about and scurry around. Right. More like the feral ghouls in Fallout. Yeah. They're sort of running yeah. around on all fours and then but occasionally get up on their hind legs to beat you with a locker door. They're kinda of like crazy drug addicted crackheads, aren't they? They're kind of the Yeah, they all yeah, there. that's the thing. There's no zombies in this game, right? Which is what you think it is, but it's all some sort of from reading the literature in the game, there's some sort of cult that's sort of doing something that affects the downtrodden citizens of this town that you're in essentially yeah but yeah so enemy variety was great and the enemy ai as well i've got to say was quite interesting mm, the amount of times that yeah. i saw enemies run out see me and then run back behind cover and reposition yeah and reposition so that if i walked past they could come out and surprise jab me yeah. they could come around the back of me if there was more than one of them i thought that was really cool particularly for a 2005 6 game absolutely yeah it's quite ahead of its time actually I, I i think so and they clearly put quite a bit of effort into that because that you know was was definitely the impression that they were trying to give that you would see an enemy they would also see you and then realistically go off and hide somewhere so they can jump out at you again. You also mentioned that you could kind of only really compare it to Resident Evil 4, and I think that's pretty fair, because it is a quite a unique feeling game, in fact. Obviously, you know, you would admit that Resident Evil 4 and it don't have all that much in common. Not at all. 
apart from thematically. Yeah, and and you really would struggle to compare it to very many other games just because of the amount of elements that it gives you. There's certainly a lot going on in this game. Uh, Before we touch on some story beats, I just want to briefly mention the combat. There are guns in the game, and unlike Resi or any other survival horror game, I imagine, you don't find a gun and then keep it and get more ammo and things like that. You get a gun, it has whatever ammo it has in it, and once that ammo's gone, the gun's done. You may as well not use it. I did use the guns occasionally, but man, the melee combat in this game is fantastic. (laughs) It's really good, right? It is. At first, I thought it was shit, right? Because new game didn't takes know a little getting doing. used to admittedly but once you get used to it it's amazing in that there's so many different melee weapons you can pick right they all have different stats in terms of damage reach blockability and speed of swing mm. yes yeah but the thing for me which i it's probably in a lot of other games but i swear i haven't seen it too much is you can literally rip things off of the environment to use as weapons so if there's pipes going up the walls you can rip off a pipe and use that. If there's a loose locker door or a, a or a desk lid like you might have in a school, there's a school level. Yeah, yeah. You can rip those off and you can use them as weapons. And it's just so fucking cool. And not only can you do it, but the enemies do it too. Another thing that made the AI to me just... It blew my mind a little bit, honestly. Like, you can hit an enemy in the hand and if they're holding a weapon, they will drop their weapon, right? And if you let them run away... They'll go to the nearest weapon, be it a pipe on the wall, be it a crowbar that's holding open a dustbin or whatever the fuck it is. And they'll just grab it and then come back at you. It's It was so cool. And it really added a bit of tactical diversity to what otherwise would just be a, a melee beat-em-up. It uh, initiates and shows you quite early on fairly intuitively because I think the first enemy you encounter, he snatches something off of the wall and tries to hit you with it. Yeah. So, you know, right then and there, you kind of get that impression that, uh, ooh, suddenly the environment you thought it was an empty room is actually full of offensive weapons. And there are, I'm sure, other games that have tried to implement it or done similar things, but none of them as successfully or kind of what feels as uh, spontaneously as the way that Condemned does it, where sometimes you're not even really expecting to be able to use that object. You're like, as you say, a locker door, you're like, oh, a pipe off the wall, maybe. But you're not expecting to be able to yank off locker doors. And <laughs> no, exactly. And, and it's just, it was so good, man. The variety was great. Shout out to the small pipe, my favorite weapon throughout the whole game. Fast. Because it had really a really durable. good block, really fast, as you say, and did enough damage that you could still kill shit with it. It was great. And not the worst reach either, by any means. So No, not at all. Although I think the best weapon I used was the gas pipe. Because it was just a small pipe, but everything was better. Yeah. Yeah. The final thing I'll say about the weapon system, shout out to whoever thought of putting a fucking taser in the game. Oh, it's great, isn't it? I didn't use it all that often, but for sort of stunning people with guns, there's a mission we do where you're in a library, right? And as you can imagine, you've got your bookcases on either side, plenty of places for enemies to hide, pop out from, some of the alleys are blocked, really cool stuff. There's one bit where you have to go through two library-type rooms, and there's a whole host of enemies that come and try and get you. And there's one bit in particular where there's a pistol guy and a shotgun guy, I believe it was, that come at the same time. Right, yes, yeah. The satisfaction of tasering the pistol guy, him jolting about because he's in shock, right? Dropping his gun and falling to the floor, and then you can just kick him in the face. Brilliant mechanic, the kick as well. Yeah, there's like a little finisher kick. So nice. So good. And you have buttons one, two, three, and four to snap their neck, punch him. Ah, so good. 
<laughs> so good. But I, I just kicked because it's quicker and more efficient. Yeah. And in the meantime, as I've done that, as I've kicked, I can then run behind the bookcase to avoid shotgun matey, wait for my taser to recharge, by which point he's come in to get me, and then I just taser him as he comes around the corner and do the same thing. So good. And the other thing that was cool about the taser is you do something like that, and when they're in shock jolty mode, you can actually just take their gun from them if you yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never did it, but it was a really cool thing. I mean, this game thought about a lot. And given that it's a very, very short game, which probably spoils how I did, but (laughs) given that it's quite a short game, it's really, really impressive how much stuff they managed to pack in. And like, I cannot stress how much I enjoyed this game, man. I'm so pleased that you enjoyed it so much. I, I wasn't sure I was going to at first, but honestly... This and Resi 4 have opened my eyes a little bit. Now, mm. I got on better with this than I did with Resi 4 because Resi 4 stressed me a few times. Yeah. This game was excellent, man. A, a great choice. Great, yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's a really good example of a horror game done right that doesn't outstay its welcome. It's kind of a pretty concise experience. It packs in just the right amount of set pieces and scares and things like that. The AI is tight. It's not so long that the environments start to feel repetitive. No. From moment to moment, level to level in this game, you don't have a chance to actually start to feel tired or start to feel like you're done with the game or where's this going or when's it going to end or anything like that. Moment to moment, it's just quality content, quality levels the whole way through. Um, I should probably touch on the story a little bit. Yes, please do. You are an FBI detective who focuses mainly on serial killers called Ethan Thomas. The game starts, you're scouting out a serial killer called the Matchmaker's recent crime scene. You actually then, whilst you're searching for clues and things like that, you essentially find out that the killer is still in the building. Oh, shit. Oh, son, he's still here. So the tutorial, if you like, is chasing down the villain guy and uh, learning the mechanics and all that good stuff. Spoiler alert, it actually isn't the Matchmaker that you find. (laughs) It's actually the main antagonist of the game sort of and he takes your gun which is how you then learn the melee combat he then uses your gun to kill two officers which you then get framed for which then sets up the start of the game proper which is you're now an fbi agent who has been suspended and is on the run your only ally being your lab assistant rosa who trusts you and wants to help you through the whole situation so you still have access to your fbi lab reports and yeah. all the forensics and things like that and the gear that goes with it and all the gear that goes with it because you get to keep all that shit, apparently so then you know you you get knocked out by the guy who steals your gun and you wake up on your sofa and there's one of your dad's old friends there called van horn mm, that's it he basically tells you some weird shit going on and tells you to look into the killings more and find out what you can I'm very much glossing over a lot of the details here because I'm just giving a summary, but um, essentially as the plot unravels, you're looking into serial killers and it turns out that the guy who had knocked you out and stolen your gun was actually killing all of the serial killers that you had been looking into throughout your career. That's right. And he'd been killing them in the ways that they had been killing others. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. the, so the matchmaker that we referenced at the start there, his MO was he'd only kill females, would put them in some sort of scene with a male mannequin dummy, and the male mannequin dummy would have like a very specific mark, like either painted or carved onto their face, yeah. right? Yeah. So when the matchmaker meets his end, it's a female mannequin opposite him, he's got the markings on his face, and it's just it's his MO, but done on him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
so really really cool stuff uh, i mean obviously it goes into other serial killers and you see that stuff as well um one called the torturer whose mo was to make people so depressed that they ended up committing suicide themselves <laughs> uh, so. it, can you even describe that as a serial killer god damn it i just described that as like i don't know a newsreader or something That's <laughs> when you get to the end of it all just the way that it all comes together you know the the main antagonist that was the one that knocked you out and has been doing all these killings turns out he's van horn's nephew which i didn't see coming at all <laughs> why would you <laughs> well no but with all the supernatural bollocks because there is some supernatural bollocks there well. is yeah yeah i like yeah. it and, and and it goes much deeper into that in the second game as well good because i got a bit confused by it yeah yeah yes that's that's the thing is it does start to blur the lines between is this real or is this is Ethan starting to lose his mind? Sort of well, this is the thing because I thought that the twist was going to be either Van Horn was the killer. I think that's kind of the red herring there a little bit. Or I thought it was Ethan going mad and doing all this shit himself because you do actually you end up meeting Rosa in person in one of the missions, the one in the library that I referenced earlier, funnily enough. And she brings your file and there's some crazy shit that's mentioned about your character that's not really then expanded upon. In terms of thicker muscle mass than a normal human, like stronger bones, and the fact that there's an x-ray of his neck and esophagus that's been blurred out completely and removed. And then there's some other information that's then been completely redacted. Right. Which makes me which which at the time I thought was some sort of okay, Ethan's some sort of for lack of a better term, superhuman type jobby, uh, similar to Captain America, you know, yeah. the sort of making the super soldier. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Uh, because Van Horn also mentioned, you know, he's very, very cryptic and he mentions things like, you know, oh yeah, you're different, you've got, you've got the gift and all this stuff. And you do have flashbacks where you can see, you find some clues, for example, you actually get a flashback to what happened there before you explore the scene. Okay, so you've got some sort of premonition or... Yeah. I assume it's not premonition because it's already happened, right? So like, no, but it's it's kind of like a if you if you've played Jedi Fallen Order, it's kind of like the Force Echo system in that. Yeah, you can, he rubs his fingers on shit and he's like, oh, I remember uh, that. Ah, uh, this takes me this takes me back. <laughs> yeah. Um, Starts stroking a guitar and playing an old song on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And interestingly, sort of the final boss of the game is I don't even know what it is. It's some sort of apparition of this kind of grotesque body with metal in its back and, like, a metal jaw. They're like, fuck it, we're making Silent Hill free, motherfuckers. <laughs> exactly, it kind of, kind of is. And, and I didn't really... And this is where the story confused me a little bit because you see this guy in a few hallucinations too. Like, there's one bit where you're on a train and uh, you're just jamming, waiting to get to your next stop and you see the metal-mouthed motherfucker sneaking up on you. That's right, yeah. And almost coming up to you to bite your neck almost, but then you yeah, sort of wake yeah. up and snap out of it. So, and this was all leading me to think that, okay, Ethan's been implanted with something or because with the x-ray missing and stuff, I thought that. So it'd be interesting to see if they touch on that in the second game. Do you know, I honestly can't remember if they do. And I got to say, like, now that you mention it, I do remember it, but I had completely blanked that whole... Yeah. I think at the time I may well have just written it down to like, oh, this probably just kind of explains why, like, Ethan doesn't fucking die like a real person yeah. would when he gets into all of this shit. I thought they were kind of like being like, yes, we're justifying the existence and the fact that Ethan is a video game protagonist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it may well be as simple as that, man, but it, it just uh, it intrigued me enough. It didn't affect the story at all, but it was just like, oh, that's kind of neat. 
I wonder what Ethan's deal is. Honestly, after speaking about this, you've brought back a lot of good memories of playing it. I'm kind of pissed that I didn't just buy this for myself when I bought it uh, for the challenge when it was uh, on discount. I think, you know, it's it regularly goes on sale for like a two or three quid, so I would highly oh, recommend... Absolute steal. Yeah, highly, highly recommend Jeez. for anyone listening to pick up this title for that kind of price, because... Uh, if you're a fan of your horror games and you like a bit of crime season investigation, a little whodunit serial killer type thing, then this game is all for you, buddy. It really is. I I, I can't recommend this enough. Comfortably the best horror game I've ever played. Wow, Comfortably. that's true. I mean, I know you don't have a huge sort of repertoire there, but that's uh, that's that's. I something. definitely prefer this to Resi Four. Which I know is a big thing to say because many people class that as the greatest horror game ever to be made. It's an interesting take, but it's a take that I can understand given from where you're coming from and the dates and separation of time between those two games. No, it's, it's excellent. It really is. Oh, dude, I want to play it now. I want to play it tonight. I'm going to like look at... <laughs> oh, dude, as I said, man, like uh, I finished... Okay, right, so in case it wasn't fucking obvious... Clear the air. <laughs> in case it wasn't obvious, I, I did complete this challenge. And uh, when I finished, I was genuinely tempted to start again straight away. Wow. That, that really does because say something. Because I was having so much fun with this game. I didn't, because I'd much rather leave it and then go back to it another yeah. time. Yeah. But, man, this was so much fun. Six and a half hours, I think, I finished it in. Every hour a pleasure. With the exception of maybe the first ten minutes, where I was learning the game and I wasn't sure. Yeah, there's a, there is a bit of... yeah getting to grips with yeah. because uh, you know i think that's kind of standard with any game that feels as unique as this one does uh, i was really yeah, on picking this game up not expecting a first person melee based game which is no. obviously ignoring a lot of other factors and shades of this game that is essentially what you're looking at excellent 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 10 out of 10 would play again and at some point i'll definitely be sending you over my copy of condemned 2 so you can give that a go i, I will almost certainly be checking mm, that out at some point brilliant Brilliant. But no, so so that ties a bow into my challenge. Thank you very much. This one was very enjoyable. Three two to you, I believe. Congratulations. We've broken buddy. two all. We finally <laughs> made it after however many weeks it's been since fucking two all. We finally made ah, it. Ah, well, you know, I had to get that win. Couldn't make it three losses in a row, eh? Well, yeah. <laughs> but now, Will, that does bring us on to your challenge for this week, and obviously, we're continuing our Halloween themed. Pick your own adventure series. That's right. With all the excitement of the challenge coming this week, I'd almost forgotten that I was also drew my own one. Exactly. One disclaimer. I added a fourth option oh again. Oh, God. Okay. Because I thought of something literally today that I thought would be quite <laughs> okay. cool. So I need to pick a number between one and four. You have four selected game titles, randomly assigned a number, and I need to pick one of them in order to dictate what I play. Correct. Okay. Uh, well, we... Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I'm sort of taking. This is really kind of like a fucking random <laughs> three. F it, we're going free out the window. I'm going free. Sticking with free. Final answer three. Final answer three. Oh god, you're making me nervous. I felt like my stomach sink when you said that. It sounded like you didn't want to give me three. It's another nuzlocke, isn't it? <laughs> so number three, locked in. Okay. Number three, locked in. I already can tell this isn't the one that you wanted to give me because <laughs> you've asked me so many times. <laughs> It's not the one I wanted to give you, to be honest with you, but it is what it is. You've picked number three, which means that this week, Will, your challenge is... Complete Remnant from the Ashes. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. This, ooh, this could be a tough one as well. 
I will say that. Well, it's not as tough as it originally was. The original was solo. Well, man, this is uh, another challenge that you can help me with, it sounds like, given you are, I mean, I, I hope that you would help me. You are the only person I know that owns this title. <laughs> so, I mean, if you, you know, if you weren't going to help me, this, this does mean I would be doing it solo. But um, awesome, man. Another good game. Yeah. Another great challenge. It's one that I, you know, again, much seems to be the theme of a lot of the games that you recommend that I play for these challenges. It's a game that I've started, very much enjoyed, put down for one reason or another, and then just for whatever reason, haven't picked it up since. Usually that for whatever reason being that a new, brighter, shinier video yeah. game has come along exactly, and has stolen yeah. my attention. And then by that point, my attention span is so short that I can't remember what I was even playing in the first place. <laughs> right there with you, mate. It's uh, a game I've never personally finished for much the same reasons. I tried to solo it once. And then obviously we've tried to play a couple of times and uh, we always have fun, but we just end up stopping and not playing it again. And just for anyone that's not aware, this is essentially a bit of a Souls-like title that incorporates both gun shooting as well as melee fighting. So the only step I've got for this is um, fresh character. Yeah, that's fine. No problem. Otherwise, you can do it any order you want. You know, you've, you've given me some credit for picking a game again that is one that you've started but never finished. You pick this one. Nothing to do with me. Unfortunately... Of the four games that were on option, this is the least Halloween-y, <laughs> um, which is why it was a shame, but uh, hey, I've got the other three left for next Halloween now. There's so. monsters, right? There's kind of scary monster things. The enemy designs are pretty yeah. demonic, I would say. It's, uh, yeah, they are, yeah. It'll do. No, it works. That's why I picked it. It's just the least Halloween yeah. one. Yeah, okay. okay. So, you know, there's ghosts and skulls and shit in it. It's fine. I'll take it, man. I'll take it. I am really down to play this title, man. I'm, I, this is a game that we've kind of spoken about previously before we even started thinking about doing the pod together that we said, we've got to get back on this. So I think that this is uh, a great time to do it. Let's get it, man. There we have it. One challenge down, a new challenge set, 3-2 this week. Will it be three all next week? Another challenge completed. Congratulations, James. Well done. Big applause to you for completing another Gamer Challenge. Oh, man, no. The the credit to this Gamer Challenge goes all to you because, <laughs> as I've said, what a f***ing great game it was. I'm relieved to hear that my uh, taste for video games isn't completely off-centre. <laughs> so with that, we come to the end of the show. Did we do, James? Have we learnt anything this week? Well... I learnt, and I hope we'll learn too, although I must admit my hopes aren't too high. <laughs> but I learnt that you shouldn't trust a random f***ing guy in a pub to help you with major surgery. Yes, fair point. Particularly when you've been drinking heavily yourself. I was going to say, I do think that the alcohol affected my judgement, and what I am slightly concerned about is it may have slightly affected his performance, I'm not going to lie, but, uh, you know, we moved. I mean, your thumb's f***ing possessed, so... And it was on backwards about an hour and a bit ago. And I suppose not so much of a take back, more of an apology uh, for any of the people who were watching me on Twitch last night. <laughs> um, I was completely delirious, tired and impatient for Call of Duty to start. So uh, I just hope that the amount of deaths and f***ing around in the missions is not representative of any future playthroughs or sort of enjoyment I get out of that campaign. I hope I'm in a much better mindset to play it next time. And uh, kind of enjoy it for what it's worth. <laughs> well, and with that, we come to the end of episode 10. We leave single digits behind. We're a double digit podcast now. Double digits is the way forward. Thank you very much for 
being here with us. Um, if you enjoyed the content, please be sure to rate us five stars and tell your friends because word of mouth really helps a lot. And where can you rate us five stars, I hear you ask? Well, let me tell you. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else where you can get your podcasts from. Uh, we live everywhere in the podcast realm. Just search Total Pod Mode and you're sure to find us. We also post regular video content of our playthrough stream highlights as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And with that, we say farewell. Will? Been a pleasure, mate. I hope that your thumb doesn't give you too much jip. And whatever you do, don't listen to it. It's evil. I will try and ignore the voices. I will try and... Wait. What's that? What are you saying? I should kill Phil Spencer? Is my thumb possessed by Jim Ryan? 